welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the Marie Cherry Show. We're live here in kind of rainy but absolutely gorgeous fall leaves, Seattle. And yes, just a reminder, please don't move here. It already takes me a long time to get to the studio. In fact, we were laughing this morning because Justine and I do walk up and sometimes run, you know, five flights of stairs right before the show. But today we had to run really fast. Because we were just kind of stuck in traffic. I feel like double time in the stairs. I could just, I want to stand in the stairwell next time, <laughs> like right near, to see how you guys yeah. motivate. And so up. I just caught my breath. Literally. Um, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, don't, yeah, mo- don't, move, don't move to Seattle, exactly. please. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Unless you have some great idea on how to reduce our traffic here and uh, help us all get safely to our destinations, um, which we hope you are all safely now ready to listen to a, a lovely show here where one of my favorite things to do is to interview people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And today is one of those days. One of my favorite organizations is the Edgar Casey Foundation. And um, they brought my attention to Freddie Silva, who is an author of, I think, five books now. And he's um, going to be teaching at East West Bookshop. I believe this weekend we'll be talking about that. No, it's October uh, 21st. 21st yeah. yeah, next week. It's going to be amazing. So I've had the pleasure of reading Freddie's book, The Lost Art of Resurrection, Initiation, Secret Chambers, and the Quest for the Other World, which is very exciting. And so I think, of course, um, Edgar Casey Foundation, again, one of my favorite organizations. Um, Freddie is a best-selling author and leading researcher of restricted history, which I can't wait to hear more about what that actually entails, restricted history. Ancient knowledge, sacred sites, and the interaction between temples and consciousness— He is also a leading world expert on crop circles and has five books published in five languages. Described by one CEO as perhaps the best metaphysical speaker in the world right now. For nearly two decades, Freddie has been an international keynote speaker with notable appearances at the International Science and Consciousness Conferences. Um, Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's exhausting just hearing my biography. <laughs> and I didn't even finish it, actually. I, I, know, I, better, I better live up to this. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So where are you originally from? Oh, God, it's a long story, uh, <laughs> even longer than my biography. Um, I was actually born in Portugal, and uh, I moved to uh, London when I was eight. Uh, and then I lived half of my life in America. So uh, this is why I had this ridiculous accent, which is sort of transatlantic. <laughs> Um, nice. So I, I, right now I'm living in Maine, uh, oh. diametrically the opposite of Seattle. So we're just getting our fall season going on over here. And it's going to be gorgeous, obviously. I, mean, I hope so. Maine is a hot spot for fall leaves. Well, you know, Americans, we love accents. Your, your lovely coastal bi-regional accent is a favorite of ours. So I'm sure that will make the show even more fun for our listeners and callers. So what made you interested in sacred sites? Um, I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that... Um, we're all sort of hardwired to bring something to the earth when we incarnate. And uh, some of us are lucky, we find it early on in life, and some of us are a little bit sort of less lucky, and we find it later on in life. As long as you find it, that's the most important thing. But uh, I was drawing pyramids when I was three. Wow. Uh, I didn't really belong uh, with other children. Uh, growing <laughs> up was very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, I, I got seduced by the usual things that you do here, and uh, I went into the world of uh, photography and advertising. Um, I was a creative director for many years, and uh, 
But, you know, getting fired regularly actually gave me the opportunity <laughs> to go back to what I was doing and I'm really passionate about, which is to study uh, places of uh, veneration. And I always wanted to know what made them tick, you know, what made them sacred, why were pyramids uh, interesting, and uh, why were all the mounds and Stonehenge and, you know, these places that were built with ludicrously sized rocks, uh, why were they important? And um, I haven't really stopped for 20 years because it's one door that you open, you go into another door, and then there's another 15 doors behind it. And it's amazing how extraordinary the uh, technology is that um, these people used, you know, as much as 10 to 12,000 years ago to leave us a legacy of uh, what can only describe as portals into another level of reality. And I can't find anything on earth that's more interesting to study than that. Wow. Okay. That's an, a beautiful description of something that you have enormous passion with, which is phenomenal. So in the book, there's pictures of all these sites. Did you actually take these photographs then? Uh, most of them, yeah. Wow. I mean, I actually tried to sort of talk about the things that I actually experienced, you know, and draw from other people who've had similar things to build a, a sort of a, an idea that I have to sort of, sort of sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like being a, a lawyer where you have to basically look at a, a murder scene and make a case in court. I have to make a case as to why these places that we travel to around the world uh, whether it's Stonehenge or the pyramids, why are they important? What, what do they do to us and what do they do for us? So it's part of building that uh, science and mysticism where the two go together very well and then uh, give people a good sort of foundation of, of, from which to jump. So, you know, it's also very well being invited to dinner parties and talking about metaphysics. But, <laughs> I'm uh, sure you are a hit at every dinner party that you arrive to. I'm sure. Well, if you want to be invited back, you've got to give people some <laughs> science as well. Otherwise, they look at you and they roll their eyes backwards <laughs> and they go, what are you talking about? So that's my job is to try and ground this stuff a little bit more and give it some a basis from which we can have a sort of a conversation for people who are much more skeptical. And, and so the premise is really, or the truth of the situation, is that most of these sacred places that were created, you know, many, many moons ago were actually to help people to expand their consciousness at the time of death um, into a higher realm of, a, of awareness. Is that correct? Am I understanding that uh, well? Kind of, except uh, it was more of a metaphorical death. Uh, mm. They actually did this oh. while they were living. Uh, mm. The idea was to try and um, get them to experience the other world, uh, to try and access another level of reality. Uh, some people might call it the fourth dimension. Uh, while they were living, and uh, famous people like Plato and Pythagoras and Leonardo da Vinci and uh, Isaac Newton, they actually uh, did these uh, initiations where they went to these special uh, chambers around the world, uh, and uh, they actually were able, under a certain guidance, and it usually took them about three years of preparation to do this. Wow. Uh, it's not like doing an ayahuasca trip. I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, it was uh, an induced near-death experience, which sounds really harrowing. Uh, but they did it, and they came back saying, you know, the only way to discover real wisdom is to undergo this exchange of uh, the body uh, in these sacred places, and you are taken out of body for several days. You're completely aware of what's going on the other side, and you return with valuable information, and then you implement it. And some people became healers, uh, teachers, uh, great governors, uh, and so forth. So obviously there's a huge benefit to uh, the fact that these places were built you know, not just to tell the time and the seasons, which, of course, they do very well. But, I mean, if you're going to build a temple or a stone circle to tell the, uh, you know, where about the sun and the moon and the stars are, you can do that with sticks. You don't need 100-ton rocks to do it. So there is a technology that is involved that actually does get you to have an induced near-death experience where you leave the body, come back, and you are a completely different person. 
So they didn't actually have a physical death, but they somehow some, had some metaphysical death of some sort just because of the energy of the place that they were in? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the uh, actual composition of so many of these sites, and after you've been to enough of them, you start, it starts becoming a bit obvious that, you know, why would you drag these stones from as much <laughs> as 400 miles away when the stone, you know, a mile away would have done? Uh, so you look at the type of stone, and uh, it has certain characteristics which uh, do uh, kind of act like a computer. They actually store energy, the Earth's wow. actual natural energy. Right. The sites themselves are all located at the uh, intersecting lines of the Earth's energy lines, which we now know th- uh, thanks to the technology that we have available. Um, we also have the fact that there's water running under the actual uh, temples, even in the desert. And uh, when you look at the way that water behaves with the geology, it creates its own electrical field. Then you've got the sacred geometry, uh, which we now know also has an effect on the human body. So when you combine these things, you're creating a bit of an energetic environment, which you don't see, but you can feel. Right. And if you place yourself in a state of receptivity in these sites and allow yourself to be open to possibility, then some, an extraordinary magic does happen. And um, they were very much adamant that this was supposed to be experienced while you were living mm. and not to be left at a time when you die, because mm. by then it's too late. So... They were very adamant upon uh, looking at uh, a, a metaphorical death. Uh, in fact, they called it the living resurrection, uh, going back as much as uh, 6,000 years ago. It's oh. something that was coined by the uh, Christians uh, 8,000 years later. So, and, wow. and they actually got it quite wrong, by the way. Right, because they why... meant it was about Christ, you know, not necessarily about all of these beautiful exactly. time-space realities. And that's what got me excited about the connection between the two, because, I mean, I was raised as a Catholic uh, and then sort of uh, recovered very quickly. Um, and <laughs> I began to be, wonder, you know, where, how far back is the concept of resurrection? And it goes back to at least 8,000 B.C. in Japan. And, but they weren't talking about people getting crucified and uh, getting up from a dead body. They said that's actually impossible. And I began to understand that the early Christian people said the same thing, which is why the church uh, ended up murdering millions of them to keep this thing a secret, Mm -hmm. that uh, Jesus was the only person that could um, go for a resurrection, that he was nailed to a cross, gets up three days later, except the template for the story was actually borrowed from a a man called Mithra. He was a part metaphysical, part real person who had lived 2,000 years before Christ, and in India, 6,000 years before Christ, and the death was actually metaphorical. And that when you get nailed to a cross, you are essentially nailing your body, uh, your spiritualized body, to the cross that represents the material world. So it was all about a metaphor. Mm. And the early Christians knew this, which is why people like the um, Apostle Thomas and the Apostle Philip wrote the Gnostic Gospels that were banned by the Church. And they said very much that anyone who believes the literal interpretation of the resurrection is a fool. Uh, they're totally misleading. Uh, so this is what got me excited about writing the book because it tells a, a completely different story that's been going on. You, you know what I find fascinating about all these beautiful, massive energy creations that were created? I just can't imagine that only man was allowing or facilitating the creation of these places. I mean, I just, I, I mean, do you think the consciousness was elevated in the individuals who were able to pick the perfect stones, or do you think they had some ritual around? you know, downloaded information so they could create these dimensional um, complexities? Or do you think they had some help from other beings, you know, that, uh-huh. yeah, that don't really live in the, in the human realm? Yeah. 
you know, nothing surprises me anymore, uh, having studied all the stuff that I've studied over the years. And, uh, you know, the, the, it, I'm actually sort of writing a new book, actually, about the origin of where this stuff comes from. Ah. And it's very hard to figure out because most of the information is actually under the ocean. Uh, it all went under in about uh, 9,700 B.C. during a big flood, um, which everybody on Earth, all indigenous cultures, have written about. And uh, they claim that they got their information from an earlier civilization of people who were very much human, but they were very much taller, and a lot of them had uh, very elongated heads. And um, mm. this has got me very interested to find out where these people lived and uh, what was the root of all of this. But at the same time, where did they get it from? So exactly. if we're talking about uh, something that goes back 20,000 years, mm -hmm. um, did they perceive it? Um, and our, our predecessors certainly were much more predisposed to perceiving the landscape than we are today. Uh, just talk to any Aboriginal person and they'll tell you about that. Any uh, person <laughs> from the Native American Southwest and they'll say, well, yeah, we don't build sacred sites. We feel the energy in the land. We don't have to build stuff. We know it's there. So I think that they sensed it. Um, I'm also open to the fact that maybe someone crash-landed here and also <laughs> had knowledge of this, right. and they also handed it to us. So I think all of the above are true. Wow. A very fascinating, interesting read. So uh, what is one of your favorite you know, hot spots, if you will? Because you've traveled to all of these destinations. In fact, you take tours of people um, to these destinations and explain the history and allow them to have the experience of the energy. So do you have a favorite or maybe one that's in the top five or something of that nature? Um, oh, it changes. I mean, I just came back from Scotland and England, and I took, um, I only take six people with me. Wow. Uh, poor buggers. They never recover. <laughs> uh, actually, they come back, they usually come back to a completely changed life. Of course. I mean, they don't know what's hit them. Of course. And um, it really depends what I'm looking for at the time, because believe it or not, each site actually behaves very differently. And I, I, kind, of, I kind of treat them like my um, extended family. I can't be away from them to, for too long. Uh, I, I start getting withdrawal symptoms. So um, <laughs> one of my favorites, actually, in the southwest of America is actually uh, Shiprock, uh, uh, also called Sebitai by the Navajo. And it literally is at the four corners, and it's a natural landscape temple. So the site itself is a natural place of power. Uh, if you haven't been there, um, you really haven't lived. It's um, a place where I've seen grown men cry, and I'm one of them. Uh, it, it is so powerful that you can actually hear people dancing around you uh, and you kind of start joining in uh, it's the memory of the folklore is so concentrated at this site that it doesn't have to show it off um, another one is um, let's see I, I was just up in Scotland so uh, I, I see the, the stone circle of Kalanish in the Isle of Lewis which is very remote it's one of the most well-preserved stone circles in the world uh, and uh, it, if you didn't think that rocks could talk back to you, you will be mistaken wow. when you get there. Because wow. uh, it, it's so pure, so unadulterated by uh, human interaction, because it's only been recently rediscovered. It was actually covered uh, in peat by about 12 feet. The locals thought they were just a bunch of little rocks until they cut the peat away and found that they have 19-foot-tall stones. <laughs> wow. So it's perfectly preserved. It hasn't been sort of adulterated by tourism. So it's a wonderful way to sort of connect with the site the way it used to be. And you really can hear the system speak back to you. And it's unnerving at first, but once you get used to it, it's like driving your car. It becomes second nature. And then it becomes like a drug. You can't get enough of it. You know, I've had the pleasure of you know listening to trees and rocks and all of those things. But I think, but I haven't had the pleasure of being in a place where, you know, it, it happens for everyone when they visit the site. So when you hear the rocks, is it another voice? Is it like a, 
a typing that goes across your brain? And how is the experience? And is it similar for everyone who visits the site? I think for me, it kind of sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will come to this rock right now. Um, it's different for everybody. I mean, some people who do this very regularly, uh, myself included, I, mean, I can actually sort of almost see the people wow. uh, that used to be there. I can see the energy around it. And people wow. said this to me 20 years ago. I thought they were mad. Uh, and now I've, I, I can actually do it because the more you do it, the more you absorb the energy, the more you raise your frequency and the more you can actually perceive beyond the physical, which is what it's all about, really. Which is what it's uh, about all the about. the sacred space. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, what you talk about, you know, that we're all in search for enlightenment and, the, you know, the byproduct of self-empowerment, which really means to be multisensory. Exactly. And that's what they wanted to do in the first place. And it brings us back to the whole origin of why did they put this network of power places along on the earth? Because it is a network. You can actually do the, the mathematics, and it's all very mathematically connected. And it was all about getting you to have a, a sort of a self-empowering uh, situation where you become much more aware of the limitations of the physical world. You travel beyond the, uh, the physical into the non-physical. And you can do this as many times as you want to the point where you actually become super abundant and you can do it uh, even by sitting here in front of your desk. Exactly. Uh, there are people in India that can do this. Yeah, you don't need a temple eventually. If you right. can believe that you are the temple, just like Jesus said, the temple of God is in it, within you, not outside you. Um, you basically become the temple, and then you can do it at will. But the idea is that if you once you forget the instructions, the temples were built to remind you that you right. are a god, right. and that's the important thing to remember. Because people tend to run their energy so low and detached, you know, from their magnificence. And so, one of the ways, which is wonderful, that you wrote this book for many, many reasons, just the history is interesting enough and, and, and so knowledgeable because most of us don't know anything about these sacred spaces, at least not in the way that you've studied and expressed them. But to have someone kind of um, jumpstart their subatomic particles to be in alignment with their super consciousness or their authentic self, and then, as you said, to be able to then, you know, through enough of that interaction and connection, then to be able to do it anywhere in, at any time, which is really the goal is to be in that magnificence um, as we make decisions. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We just have to get distracted by earthly things. I mean, you've got to be at the earth. I mean, you've got to find out what the president is up to. You've got to find out what the snakes are doing. But <laughs> don't get caught up in it. If you have right. no direct control over it, don't get caught up in it. Just look at the headlines and, you know, be, be attentive to what's going on. But, uh, I mean, but at the same time, you've got to also have a step in the other world to make sure that you understand what you are doing here, what the purpose of your soul is. And if you can get that far, you've made huge progress because you are now in control. No one can really tell you what to do. Um, I remember the people who practiced all of this and rediscovered it in the Middle Ages. Uh, it was the Knights Templar right. who get a very bad press all the time. And believe me, there are much more spiritual people that they've been given for uh, to believe. Um, I wrote another book about that too. Uh, and um, basically, they rediscovered this whole concept of the um, the raising the dead, as they called it. It was a metaphor, because what they said that when you're actually living an ordinary life and consumed by daily affairs, you are dead. Uh, you are spiritually dead. Wow. But once you actually uh, discover the joys of paradise, as they called it, and communicate with the, the temples and within yourself, and discover the bigger picture, then you are risen from the dead. In fact, in India, they call it uh, they call ordinary people corpses, and uh, the people who have had this initiation, the risen. It's kind of interesting. They still call it that way. And in India, they have something called Kriya Yoga, which is about the nearest uh, equivalent I've come to find 
of a practice, a kind of a, a yogic practice, where you can actually do what you would, uh, experience in sacred temples within your, the confines of your living room. And it takes, it takes again, a lot of practice, uh, a lot of perseverance, but once you do it, uh, you can be out of body for days sitting cross-legged, and you come back and you go, well, that was interesting, I'm hungry. Uh, because you can leave for quite a amount of time, but the, the fringe benefits are extraordinary because of what you see, what you discover about yourself, and the mechanics of nature are quite self-empowering. They are, and so we're really so blessed that for however these beautiful sites were created, whether it was only the mortal man or a multiple of you know energies that allowed these things that are still very much alive and well here, you know, centuries later, which is quite remarkable that their energy is so high and so empowered and undisturbed by our crazy, technical, you know, insane um, time-space reality that they <laughs> literally well, can project us into our authentic selves. Exactly. It's kind of funny because, I mean, I, I get a lot of skeptics that have uh, arguments with me about how, you know, the ancients were so moronic and we, have, we are so technologically advanced. And I said, well, that's absolutely true. We are technologically <laughs> advanced, but we're also very poor in knowledge. We have a lot of uh, information. We are surrounded by information. We are drowning information, but we have so little knowledge. I mean, you have to, all you have to do is go into a shop uh, and ask uh, someone over the counter uh, a basic question about something, and they can't actually think through outside of a, a, a spreadsheet. They can't think laterally anymore because you're so condemned by so much information, but you, can't, you don't know what to do with it. And I think that's where the ancestors were much more clever. Uh, they tapped into nature. They saw how things actually worked. Because when you think about it, we, we are born of the earth. Therefore, by not understanding how the earth works and not understanding our relationship to it, we basically have divorced ourselves from the very planet that gives us uh, meaning and gives us life. And I think we set ourselves up for the first time in living history uh, a huge Achilles heel whereby we don't know what's really happening around us, and that's actually quite dangerous. And you remember that time when the hurricane went through New Jersey a few years ago? Right. There were people out there with cell phones who did not know how to buy a loaf of bread because they, their app didn't work, because their cell phone didn't wow. work. That is really dangerous, I think. And I think that the, the sacred sites are a wonderful reminder of bring you back into a connection with the earth itself, with the natural world, and observe the natural world, observe your relationship to it. Once you're there, you can actually, I mean, I haven't worn a watch in so long, I can right. now tell you what the time is. Totally. I know what the weather's going to be without even checking the weather channel, because I'm much more in tune with what's going on. And believe me, once you start doing this on a daily basis, it becomes second nature, and you realize it is so easy, you know. So for them, I would say they're actually much more advanced than we are today in that respect. I think you're absolutely um, absolutely correct on that entire conversation about really being in sync with you know our environment. I haven't worn a watch in years myself, and literally, I, if I wear one, it will break. You know, so when your energy starts to change, anyway, it's almost like the universe is speaking to you about you know you, it doesn't want you to go back in time in terms of things that are going to contract you and and slow down the expansion of your consciousness, so that it. Well, first of all, like in your case, you don't even need to check the weather channel, which is I'm, I'm going to be looking for that experience. I don't think I have that one imprinted into my body yet. But I think it's fascinating to allow ourselves to follow the, the clock of our own inner being, you know, and what feels right to us and not necessarily be dictated by the man-made world all around us. In fact, there's a wonderful study that was done by uh, a group at Princeton years ago where they actually looked at this stuff and they said, well, what if it's possible to actually measure the energy of sacred sites and what makes them tick? 
and what did they do? To, what did it do to you? And they first started out by developing a computer which can measure the background or the area around you to find out how your consciousness influences the electromagnetic field around you. And they can measure that. So they did that in, in uh, Wyoming at Devil's Power. And believe me, the locals did not call it level, Devil's Power. <laughs> it's a mispronunciation. Um, it's, uh, and it's a sacred site. Uh, and uh, they found that the uh, meditating there caused the uh, machine to go up quite severely. They then did a, um, a comparison uh, over at uh, a Walmart um, shopping uh, a, a car park. And, of course, they found that nothing really happened there. And then they decided to go to Egypt. And they found that uh, when the uh, main scientists walked around quietly in contemplation in the, in the temples, the machine was picking up readings as high as a, a meditating group. Mm-hmm. So when they put a bunch of people meditating at the temples, the combination just threw the machine way, way above normal scale. So the temples by themselves are registering an energy frequency by themselves. So you go there with the right intent, and of course, it just elevates uh, the God that you are, the temple that you mm-hmm. are, into something much more um, strat- I don't know, stratospheric, if there's such a word. Sure. No, it's absolutely wonderful. And for those of you who are in the Northwest and want to visit Freddie and his beautiful book, The Lost Art of Resurrection. He's going to be at East Spice Bookshop on October 21st between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Was that correct? Wow, that's a long time you're going to be there. That's it a is workshop. It's a long day, yeah. yeah. I'm doing three workshops. So I'm wow. going to be talking a hell of a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> luckily, there's going to be hundreds of photographs. <laughs> wow. And it's um, Search for the Other World, Unlock the Mysteries of the Ancients, sponsored by the Edgar Casey Foundation. Again, one of my um, favorite you know, organizations. So we are so blessed to have you for that long of period of time here at East West Bookshop. Um, at ne- not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, oh, I'd be love to come back to Seattle again. Oh, like my gosh. Well, and we're going to have some the leaves are starting to turn here. So hopefully we'll remind you of home while you're here as well. <laughs> and, and, and do you think, I mean, I already know the answer to this question, but do you think that because you've visited all these incredible sites and, of course, because of your belief system and your own desire to grow consciously, that the participants sitting with you during this workshop, that that will help them to change their subatomic particles and, at the very least, begin them to expand their consciousness as well? I hope so. (laughs) I think so. There's a lot of note-taking that goes on, and I always forget (laughs) at the beginning of each presentation, I say, actually... I had meant to say that you can actually get the book or the, or the DVDs to go with it. You don't have to sit there and actually write all this stuff out. And they go, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh, so I'm very naughty in that respect. But no, I mean, everybody leaves wide-eyed. They look like they've been hit, uh, you know, the deer in the headlight look. Um, because I do give you a hell of a lot of information. I, I've been to so many conferences where you sit there for two hours, you pay a fortune, and you learn one thing. Right. And everything gets padded out with lots of metaphors and lots of adjectives and pronouns. And I'm thinking... I could do better than this. And uh, people have actually complained that I actually give them way too much because they leave with their head full. <laughs> and then everybody, everybody goes to the pub afterwards, which is always <laughs> a good way of really getting this information into your body as well. And that's where we get some real work done. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> as you give your beautiful workshop, um, that you'll be holding that space, that energy of each one of those gorgeous time space realities and people are going to literally ingest that into their being so i think it'll be a fortunate thing um and thank you so much for coming on the show today and well thank you for having um, me i really appreciate it oh thank you it was a pleasure getting to know you for a short period of time and and um sharing your wisdom with our audience so thank you have a beautiful day you too thank you very Uh, much thank you and we're going to take a break here on the marie menu cherry show we'll be right back 
Hi, this is Marie Manucherry. I wanted to invite you to my next Reiki workshop, October 20th through the 22nd. Reiki is still my absolute favorite modality. There are many modalities out in the world that assist individuals to help others heal and themselves through the beautiful magic of energy work. I fell in love with Reiki over 20 years ago, and I still use it in my practice every single day. I really believe that subatomic particles are what hold us back. Stagnant subatomic particles trapped with emotions that we won't look at and won't release. Something like Reiki can actually stimulate those subatomic particles to wake up, release trapped emotions, free your body, your mind, and your subatomic energy so that you can have what you truly want in your life and what you truly deserve. So join me October 20th through the 22nd in Redmond, Washington for my next transformative Reiki workshop. For more information, visit energyintuitive.com. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Join us and Susan G. Komen, Puget Sound. Volunteer, make a donation, or schedule a screening for yourself or someone you love. Talk with your doctor about your personal risk for breast cancer. Know what's normal for you, and be sure to tell your doctor about any changes. Breast cancer screenings are quick and easy, and they save lives. Do a good thing for yourself or someone you love. For more on mammograms and how anyone can get breast health services, get informed and get involved at ComenPugetSound.org. On Friday, Nance and Mitchell bring on Rosemary Ellen Guiley with travel tales of the paranormal and high strangeness. On Saturday, Michael Gelb discusses the art of connection and relationship skills that are immediately useful in today's society. In our number two, Ramananda John Welshans returns with ideas for keeping yourself together when the world is coming apart at the seams. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007, we are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Having trouble picking up the Alternative Talk 1150 signal? Well, whether you live in Portugal or Puyallup, Tasmania or Tacoma, India, or Issaquah. You can get Alternative Talk 1150 programming streamed live on your computer via our website, 1150kknw.com. It's true. Just visit 1150kknw.com and click on the Listen Live button. Make sure you have an audio player installed that will play streaming MP3 audio such as Winamp, iTunes, or current versions of Real Player or Windows Player. Visit our website for more details. Remember, that's 1150kknw.com. Marie Manucherry, RN and renowned energy healer, provides accessible instruction for helping you tune in to your health at a deeper level in her first book, Intuitive Self-Healing. Offering a compendium of illuminating case studies and practical self-care techniques, Marie invites you to learn more about the chakras, energetic preventative care, and tools for accessing intuition. Intuitive Self-Healing is available at Amazon.com and Energy and intuitive.com you found us maybe you've been guided to listen alternative talk 1150 Welcome back to the Marie Nanya Cherry Show. We're live here in beautiful fall Seattle. My favorite time of the year, by the way. I love those leaves turning. It makes me so happy. And it's the crisp air in the morning. So we talk about uh, the weather um, at the top of the show typically because I'm hoping that you'll look around in your own environment at your own weather or 
maybe it's nighttime wherever you are in the world, and that you get into your body and become present so that we can all grow together in awareness as much as possible. Even though we're not visiting a sacred site right now, Benny, we're not going to Wyoming, which... You know, I mean, so close here in the U.S. Well, I think you visit here and I visit Aww. there every day. Or every at least day. So those are our sacred sites. Yes, this right? is true. Yours this especially is... on Thursdays at 9. <laughs> exactly. This is a sacred site for That's us. That's what I'm this saying. very yeah, true. Exactly. But I don't know. I'm thinking I might be planning a retreat around a right? sacred site. I don't right? know. That's just kind of Feel sounding it. amazing. Yes. Yeah, so um, we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. And mm-hmm. I'm going to answer as many questions as I possibly can for the rest of the show. Yep. And if you'd like to join us, 877-825-888. 828 is the number, 877-825-8828. And we have Debbie calling in from Seattle. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, waiting patiently, by the way. Yes, thank you, Debbie. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited. I've been trained for a while. Oh, have you? Is this your first time calling into the show? It is, and I literally was trying to find money to count because my vibrations are so high right now. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, great. Congratulations, and thank you for your persistence. I truly appreciate it. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been listening for a while, and I feel like I have a lot of great tools, but I'm having a hard time um, implementing them or, like, finding the drive and mm-hmm. the motivation. The inspiration, and, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I'll have bursts of it, but then I'll fade away. And, I mean, I have a lot going on in my life because I have a... I have three young girls and Aww. a husband. And yeah, right. Now and I understand. I, my, my kids are all grown now, but um, I understand it's you have a lot of challenges. So how much t- me time do you carve away from the kids, the hubby, the house, and whatever else you do in the world? Um, how much? A lot. A I lot? Think, like, every, like in the morning, mostly I have a, a good chunk of time. And mm, um, I'm pretty selfish in general just Excellent. because I love... Um, I love listening to, like, meditations and doing fun things like your Reiki workshop. Oh, are you, are you taking the workshop next weekend? I actually already did oh, take it. Oh, you did? It. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you for taking it. That's lovely. Yeah. Thank you. So so, so you have, you know what you want, but you're not letting yourself have it, or? Yeah, well, it's just, um, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I even talked to my husband beforehand, like, how do I articulate this? Um, I just feel like there's just a lot of, chaos in my life and um like I have like high stress and like intense anger and and then like laziness and so I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything I'm not like really mm-hmm. doing any of these big or even small things that would um so, know, bring more joy and lay into my life so what sounds like to me is that you tend to experience frustration often and, Actually, that's the word he used. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great husband, by the way. You know, and, <laughs> and people who've married well, who have chosen a good partner for them, they should listen to their partners because I think yeah. their partners really get them and understand them and have great advice for them. So, so this frustration yeah. actually is a trap for you. It's it's a pattern. It, it started right around age three, um, and I'm sure it's a past life thing too. I'm sure it's not just of this lifetime because here you have a good life. You've got a good partner. You've got a good family. You guys yeah, are fortunate. Really yeah, you know, yeah. there's nothing really wrong, but yet you're still kind of pissed off. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so what it's doing is it's actually blocking you. So every time you go into this, <clears throat> excuse me, this frustration, and this is about your spiritual growth and your own independence. You want to have something that's just for you, not just for the kids and the husband and, you know, which is lovely. Everyone should have something in their life that is just for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and no, that does not mean a latte after you drop the kids off from school 
Um, yeah, that's it, because right. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> okay, it, but that's Type not what that means. This means yeah. that you want something very sacred and highly personal mm-hmm. and high vibration. You know what you want. You may not be able to type it out in exact language of what it is, but you know that you want something mystical and spiritual and high vibrational in your life consistently every day that that would probably even be a career path for you. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Yes. Actually, I'm like searching for my career path. And so right. I yeah. am. Um, right. So, yeah. so here's the deal. Nothing's mm-hmm. wrong. You are totally on path. But every time you move into frustration, you are literally stopping the flow of energy. And this mm-hmm. is a pattern of yours. This is a yeah, historic absolutely. pattern. And so you have to break it. Every time that frustration comes up, you're going to have to think of it like learning a new workout or um, taking a, a class at the gym that you've never taken before. You know, your mm-hmm. muscles are not going to necessarily know how to, you know, execute the, the exercise faithfully. It's going to take a, a little bit of time and your muscles might even hurt. And that's yeah. what it's going to be like every time you encounter this frustration and you choose to not let yourself go down there because it's so familiar that, that it's almost like getting on a sled on the top of a beautiful hill covered in snow and there's no way you can stop it. But every time you do that, you are holding yourself back. Is there like um, blocks that I have on my chakras or no. do I just know, don't I know my just, guys well enough? I just explained the block. And, and so a lot of people have a hard time. When something is explained to them in simplicity, which is really the best and only way that the universe answers things for us, it, everything is always simple. It's not complicated. It, our overthinking, overanalyzing, processing mind, which is really part of the human condition and has nothing to do with our elevated consciousness, that is what you know. What you're trying to get into, what we all try to get into to solve problems, but that's not where the answers are going to be. Your frustration that you visit often, it's an easy energy for you. It's, Actually, it's one of the things your husband was attracted to you about because he likes that fiery side of you as well. Um, but it's now hurting you. So you cannot go there. You have to stop. And I, and I think that probably you're not as aware of how many times you visit that energy throughout the day. But you do it often. And and sometimes it may even eventually come into depression or a sadness. It does. Yeah. So, it does. So the, the, the frustration yeah. is actually a higher energy than the sadness or the depression. So mm-hmm. that's why it's been a, a positive go-to for you. But you have to stop that because that is what's blocking you. Okay. Okay? I'm feeling really good. Yeah. All right. That's excited. your homework. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank have a lovely you so day. Much. You're welcome. You Bye-bye. Too. Thanks, Debbie, for joining us. 877-825-8828 is the number. 877-825-8828. Uh, let's take Amy calling in from Chicago. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amy. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm so happy I got through. Oh, my Yay. gosh. <laughs> have you Have you called into the show before? Never, oh, but I've listened to all your, um, all your podcasts, and I'm a huge fan of oh. yours. I admire your work and your oh, directness, you. so yeah, so I'm direct. <laughs> okay, I will. First, <laughs> First of all, I love Chicago. It's probably one of my favorite cities. I bought the cutest pair of shoes there, by the way. You know, well, mm-hmm. actually... Benny, you like shoes more than I do, don't you? Yes. yes, yes. I bought some gorgeous shoes in London too last year, so I've got to like dig out these shoes and start wearing. Yeah, them. I want to see what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I'll, maybe I'll dress nice next time because I usually am wearing my workout. <laughs> and I want you to hoof it up the Thursday. stairs in them too, right? Want, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to hoof it up no, the stairs. I'm kidding. In those shoes. You just put them on right at the top. <laughs> okay. Okay, Amy. So what can I do for you? I resonated a lot with the previous caller, um, just in terms of purpose and moving forward. I'm, I'm 43. I've raised two kids on my own. They're, they're older. I had them really young. So mm-hmm. 
I felt like I went through a lot of my life just like that was my purpose, you know, raising the kids sure. and, you know, it's kind of like survival mode. Yeah. So past year, I've done a lot of work. I've like in and out of, you know, energy work and the metaphysical stuff. Right. And um, this past year really kind of committed to that. So um, it's been great, but it also left, left me very like just unsatisfied with life, but not in a way where like, oh, I'm depressed or angry, but just like, okay, there's something more, you know. Uh, yeah. Freddie Silva kind of touched on it with like soul's purpose. So I feel like yeah. I need to be doing something else, but I'm kind of stuck in the rat race now and just looking to kind of move forward and and see if my purpose could be helping people or. Oh, yeah, of course. It's something that makes you very happy. You know, yeah. it, it makes you very. So here, I already drew out your energy whenever yeah. I read for someone on the air, right? I draw out the energy since you're not in my living room or we're not looking yeah. at each other through Skype. And and your subatomic particles are really low in your physical body. You're, I love the organization of your chakra system. I love the size of your chakra system. I love the spin of the vortices. But the energy is, is you know, re- relatively depleted. So what I was shown as I looked at the depletion um, is that you literally leak out a lot of your energy. And it's not in the typical way that I see leaking, which can kind of lead into health issues. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that way. It's almost like you... Uh, you allow the energy that's in your body to move into your auric field and then you leak it through your aura and you do it in a way to help people, by the way. Like you yeah. walk around like this very kind, almost like Christ-like <laughs> energy, by the way, you know, where, yeah. you know, you just want to help every living soul on the planet and help them to have a wonderful life. And and what I'm going to ask you to do is to fire yourself from this job immediately because, first of all, you need your energy inside your body to create and manifest all the things you want in your life and everybody's fine you know every, mm-hmm. even if people don't think they're fine and even of course all the terrible things that are happening in the world everyone has spirit guides and everyone has a higher self and everyone has a god consciousness and everyone is growing and learning and what is really going to help the rest of the planet you know move towards the place that you're looking for but i also want to remind you this is the planet of contrast so things aren't supposed to be hunky-dory here all the time you know mm-hmm. People usually learn through contrast. They go, oh, I hate what just happened in my life or why did this person do that to me? And then they go, oh, I don't want that anymore. And then they change their direction and find, you know, start to move towards the things that they really want. But they need the clarity or we believe we need the the clarity of contraction. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why we, you know, reincarnate to the earth realm. So, you know, running around and trying to help everybody when they really want to have these experiences, whether they're conscious of it or not, so they can have the contraction so that they can evolve and move forward. You know what I'm saying? How this is not in your best interest. Right. Okay. So that's number so how, one. I guess how do I stop myself from doing that? Or how do I know when I'm doing that? Because it's, it's a natural, you know, it's a natural thing. It is a natural thing. And, I know. Mm-hmm. But you have to stop that empathy. And, and I know that sounds terrible and mean. It's not. It's just that it's not helping you. That's why your energy looks like a ghost because you keep giving your energy away. And I want to point out that most people are not going to take your energy in. So, mm-hmm. so when you leak out your life force, as many empathic people do all day long, you just do it in a different way. I like the way you do it because it doesn't hurt your body. So I'm like, oh, this is, this is cool. I mean, I still don't want you to do it, <laughs> but I'm happy that it yeah. doesn't cause harm to your physical form, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. he, what, what, what I want you to focus on and, and what I have shared with many people um, on the show and, of course, in, in classes and whatnot is I don't do the job I do to help people. That is not my driving force. I, and I want you to really listen to this part. I do it because it brings me extraordinary joy. So when I draw out someone's energy, when I look at a shocker, when I can see your org field, you know, releasing your life force, 
that is what turns me on and makes me excited and brings me joy, the ability to hear, see, and feel energy. Now, when people align with what brings them actual joy, that is how they help other beings. That's how we help humanity. But you first have to discover what brings you joy. And that's the part that you keep skipping over. It's like, you know it, you go, okay, well, I know I got to figure that out, but I got to go help everyone because that's my life purpose. And, and that is true. Your life purpose, all of us is to affect others positively and in high frequency and in truth and in balance. But that only comes from personal joy. Okay. So you have sense. to go figure out what lights your soul on fire and stay focused to it and stay connected to it and not care about anybody else. You, you know, even though you're not a social worker, because I think you work in some corporate kind of life somehow, yeah. mm-hmm. you, yeah. your energy looks like a social worker. And social workers are vastly underpaid and exhausted people. So, right. <laughs> so yeah. don't go be a social worker, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so you could okay. even say a prayer to yourself every day, you know, I'm so grateful that I allow myself to align to my highest purpose, which is to experience joy every single day. You know, start talking to yourself, start communicating to your higher self and the truth of what you want to experience. Don't let yourself go down the, the river of, you know, I got to go take care of everybody before I can allow myself to live my passion or that is my passion is to sacrifice for others. And that's not true. That's a very old paradigm and we're right. learning to be spiritually selfish. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Have fun in Chicago. Go walk over Thank to that you. beautiful, huge lake that looks and smells like an ocean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Amy, for joining us. Uh, let's travel uh, back here to uh, Snohomish. We have Shirley joining us. Hello, Sh- uh, Shirley. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, Shirley. How are you? I am good. good. Thank you. Have we spoken before? Yeah. I went to your retreat oh you did oh <laughs> yes. thank you so much for going wasn't of that course. so fun i loved it i oh. can't wait to do another one well we're we're looking at a few places right now i'm looking at the greek islands right now and uh so that might be next year or now that i've interviewed freddie silva i mean i'm obviously going to be looking for doing retreats at sacred sites i mean there's one that in wyoming sounds- that sounds amazing. I know, right? I want to do two a year, like maybe one stateside and one you know, international. But thank you. Wasn't Spain incredible? Uh, loved it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, loved I, it. And that was my first trip I ever went oh, on my own. Oh. And it was so empowering. Yeah, oh, was, and, and so how were you when you went on your own? Like, did you cry or anything the night before? Um, no. You're I didn't so brave. Cry. I was I was excited and nervous, you know, but I thought, okay, one step at a time, one step at a time. Oh, well, thank you for coming. That was a, truly a magical experience for me. And, um, you know, we had great hosts um, where we stayed. It oh, was, it was just awesome. amazing. And the food. Oh, my oh, gosh. the food. And the cooks. And oh the cooks. God. I mean, everybody was just <laughs> lovely and kind and, yeah, well, wonderful. So what can I do for you today? So me and my partner have put out there about moving to Hawaii oh. for no other reason other than we <laughs> like it. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, we just came back from the big island. I know you oh. just had a retreat there and I was taking the Alan Cohen program. For oh, really? Oh my gosh. I know. Yes. Because you stayed in the hotel that's not too far from the retreat center that we were at. Because right. Alan, Alan came and gave a talk. He was just so incredibly kind during the retreat. And you yes. are a lucky, 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 lucky woman to be part of uh, this coaching program. Because yes. he was on fire. I was so, I'm not easily impressed. I already loved him anyway, but I'd never right. seen him in action. 
in right. a small you know setting. I've only seen him speak you know to large groups. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah. You are a lucky woman. Okay, so you want to go live in Hawaii, right? Yeah, and okay. I, I mean, again, for no other reason other than it feels good. Well, <laughs> so so you are now just supporting what I just said to our other caller, our most recent caller. You want to mm-hmm. follow what brings you joy. It does. I mean, I wanted to, uh, you know, um, when I. I didn't understand why I wanted to go to nursing school. It made no logical sense to me because my family is so nonconventional in their medical beliefs. And right. yet I had a beautiful, amazing experience when I went to get my blood drawn when I was pregnant with my oldest, when I had to mm-hmm. walk in a hospital. And that's what was part of the, the force that made me get curious about medicine. And I still think about working in the hospital every single day of my life. I loved it so much. So you are on the right track. Whatever brings you joy is a magnet. It's calling you. It's going, come on over here. Hello, come on over here, right? (laughs) And and we don't know 100% that you're going to end up living in Hawaii. But what we do know for sure that if you're if that's the best place for you guys to be, you're going to live there. We don't know what kind of cool experiences, interesting stuff that's going to happen as both of you allow yourself to be devoted to the joy of living in Hawaii. Maybe you're going to travel there three times a year. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, like someone right. could say, hey, we need a house sitter for three months of every year on the big island or Maui. or so. We don't know what's going to happen for sure. And that's that's the part I think that's hard for humans. Humans always want to know what's going to happen. But uh-huh. if, you, if you just follow your joy with abandoned gratitude, then you're going to find out what's going to happen. But as soon as we set up expectations and they're not always met, we start to get disappointed. So, And that lowers vibration. So stay right. in the joy and the pleasure and the fun of we want to live on we, we We feel like joy when we think of living on the island of Hawaii. And we're going to keep our vibration there. And then we'll see what happens. Something amazing will happen, I promise you. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, and maybe you can do, you know, because when you're a coach, you can be anywhere in the world. Right. Right. You absolutely yeah. can. Oh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. So did I answer your question? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. I was just, you know, it just, everything started to, um, you know, I've seen all the signs. I keep hearing about it. My daughter had a dream about surfing Good. last night. Right. I mean, it was just, um, there's just a lot of these little signs. And I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Oh, that makes me nervous. Oh, that's exciting. And I, and I want you to really elicit the energy of children because children have really high natural vibration. And right. if we get them excited about something, I mean, they can just pop it into reality much faster than us older people who worry right. about every. You know, when my kids were younger, they wanted to go on vacation to Hawaii. And I said, eh, it's really not in the budget. I was kind mm-hmm. of newly, you know, single, divorced. And but I, we went ahead and made a, 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 a visionary board. And we talked about bikinis and, you know, going to the Mm -hmm. beach and playing with sea turtles. And all of a sudden, I got this huge refund from the IRS that I was not expecting. And we Mm -hmm. went to Hawaii on vacation. Wow. Yeah. So, in fact, one of my children was so, um, they had this, they also visualized that we would be renting in a um, Hummer. And I said, I'm not renting a Hummer when we're on the island. (laughs) But they actually got what they wanted because I forgot to secure a rental car during the holidays. And the only car left on the lot was one of the smaller Hummers. Yeah. So I I had to drive it around. I mean, the kids were thrilled, of course. So elicit that Uh young energy because they don't have the, the, thankfully, the negative experiences that we have encountered on Earth that right. stop us from that vibration. So, yeah, you might be moving to the Hawaiian Islands, my dear. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yes. Awesome. 
Thank you thank so much, you. Marie. You're welcome. Have a gorgeous day. And thank you again for coming to Spain. That was of very course, memorable. Of course, I loved it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Shirley. And one more. I think, I think we can okay, do one more, Okay, let's sneak in one yeah. more. Lucky will be Christy from Illinois. We're going back to Chicago. Okay, back, back to the Windy Illinois area. Yeah, 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 why not? She's been waiting a while. Hi, Christy. Uh, Hi. What can I do for you? Well, um, I was having some, like, breast health issues. Can you speak? A, I mean, I can hear you, but can you just speak a oh, little bit? Yeah. Sure. So you're having some sure. breast health issues. Right. I and, just have lots of questions for okay. you. But the, is this a diagnosed breast health issue? Right. Um. They said I have some masses in there, and mm-hmm. they're just watching them. Uh-huh. Don't yeah. know if it's anything to be concerned about. Or... Well, if they're just watching them, then they feel pretty confident that they're not malignant. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay, so why are you worried about it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, you know, I mean, physicians take breast cancer very seriously. Right. And if, if they thought that, or knew that this was problematic, you would be doing lots of other things. So they've said, you know, people do get lumps in their body. It happens. Right. Breast tissue can have cysts and, you know, and tumors that are benign. And physicians usually don't remove the, the benign ones unless they start to grow or that's why they're watching them, you know. So so your job, because you have a history of worrying, you know what I mean? I do. And I think, <laughs> I don't know if it's this month or next month, but we're going to be interviewing an author who wrote a book about how not to worry. And I'm very excited for it. And, and so I, I hope you tune into that show or at least yeah. listen to the podcast whenever it becomes available. Yeah. Um, so um, you have to stop worrying. This is, I want you to think of it. This is your opportunity right now in this moment. To, you have something in your life that you have been told by physicians that they're not going to worry about. They're just going to keep an eye on it, which is healthy. We don't want them to cut open or do things to you that is unnecessary. Right. Right. So this is your opportunity to learn to not move into worry. Okay. So what do you think about that when I say that? Okay. I think I can do it. You think so? I I mean, I know you can, but you're going to have to work (laughs) on this because this is your pattern. You go straight to worry. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, I do. And and do you see a natural path by chance? Have you ever seen one before? No. Okay. Because I'd love for you to just go have a checkup to make sure that you're taking good care of your adrenal glands. I mean, you can also take the herb if, if you, um, you know, if it feels right to you, like rhodiola is a natural herb that helps support the adrenals or holy basil, you know, just some natural stuff. Um, and, and I don't want you to worry about what I just said. I'm not okay. worried. I just right. know that people who stress out and worry deplete their adrenal glands. Okay. And, and I would prefer that you support those beautiful puppies on top of your kidneys and that, um, and that you learn not to worry because it's just a waste of energy. Right. Right? So, yes. so you're going to work on this, right? I am. Okay. I am. What are you going to do? I'm just curious, you know, why I have another minute. Just um, kind of let it go. Okay. Maybe so it's t- in good hands. Right. And, and yeah. to say to yourself, you know, everything works out great for me. Only good will come from this. Yeah. I'm, I'm a healthy human being. I'm, I'm deeply in love with you, Honey Bunch. I love you so much. I want you to start talking to yourself like that. Okay. Yeah. You've got healthy breasts. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for being a healthy and wonderful body. I love you so much. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day in Illinois. Okay. All right. And we're so sorry we couldn't get to all of our callers. We apologize to uh, Missouri and Bothell. And and we wish everyone an absolutely gorgeous fall or wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, whatever time of day it is. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We all here appreciate it. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye.